This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Time to talk with the voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett, here in halftime for a couple of segments. Uh, so uh, let's get right to it. Morning, Chuck. How you doing today? Well, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, just kind of got into this conversation about social media and Sam Pittman and Jake Beckett was on bla- was blasting a bunch of people last night. And um, man, I try to live inside the space where Twitter is not reality. Uh, I think Sam Pittman tries to live inside that space too, uh, and I don't blame him for for what he's done. You know, and I understand you're not on Twitter, but you do under. I think you have an understanding of 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 the site and and I think what it does for people and to people in some cases. So I'm interested in, in your take on the situation with uh, Sam Pittman and social media and the team overall. You know, this is a foreign concept to me. I have to be honest. I'm not the best one to ask about it because I'm not of that generation i I, i've never been on twitter i don't plan to be you just enumerated all the reasons why i'm not um it's just not my thing i'm not critical of those who do it it's just not my thing so this really isn't the world that i live in um i've never paid attention to any of that stuff i've never thought it was news i'm still flabbergasted that we are in an era where whether or not somebody's on twitter is a news story i mean it just blows me away so, um, you know, I, uh, I understand that it's out there. And I, but, but, again, I, I am not of the generation that's affected by that. Um, I know it goes on. And, you know, I think here's how I've always viewed Twitter and the people that are on Twitter. They are nameless, faceless people. Now, they've got an avenue to air their frustrations. They're angry sometimes. Um, lots of times um, they say things that in real life would get them punched in the mouth. And they're pretty gutsy, you know, when they're doing stuff like that. Um, it's just not my thing. And, and therefore, I, I just kind of stay away from it. Yeah, if you're not with us, you're against us. And it, I think Dion kind of said something about that. Was it a couple weeks ago about kind of tuning in, tuning out that... Uh that outside noise it's easy for someone my age to say well why don't you just tune it out i wasn't raised on it now i will be honest and tell you that at my age even i mean there's some panic that ensues when i lose my phone you know and i've got a lot of things that i read on my phone every day i read lots of newspapers i read all kinds of stuff i watch sports videos dog videos i I watch all kinds of stuff on there but um you know, the most that I've really ever dabbled in social media is an occasional post on Facebook and, you know, lurking here and there. And that's about it. And so, um, but I know it's out there and I know it affects young people today. Um, not just football players, not just public figures, but lots of people. You know, you, you, you hosted Sports Talk Radio for a long time. And I feel like that's that was a place where opinions could get thrown around and maybe occasionally might get a little bit nasty but probably not personal the way that it does on Twitter. I think that was more of like the the uh, the message board kind of a thing. Um, yeah, well, but, but then you know, like was... the coach can under the coach can control what it is he's paying attention to in that case. That's what I'm seeing here from Sam Pittman. He's controlling 
what he's seeing. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's a double-edged sword when you're a coach, when you're a public figure. There's always someone after you to monetize things. Uh, There's always, in the football recruiting world, um, from what I understand, it's a really important tool. So there's always a flip side to it. The one thing that I will say is that nine out of ten people that advise a public figure to be on Twitter are not public figures. They don't understand. There's no way they can. They've never been there. They've never experienced it. And um, there's good and bad in it, but in my opinion, it's just for me. And again, I'm not casting judgment, but for me, there's enough bad in it that I just don't want to do it. But now, if I was a head coach, if I was a head coach, that might be different because kids live in that world and you better live in it with them if you're going to convince them to come play ball for you. That's, that's what I was going to kind of say is how, how do you think it affects this team going forward, if at all? And and I, I think we're going to play good, Chuck. I, I, I liked what I saw out of this LSU uh, LSU game, how they fought, how they played hard. Um, I really liked what I, how, how DeBinion ran the ball. Uh, how, how do you think we match up with this Texas A&M team? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked that because this is not going to be decided on Twitter. And uh, anyone that thinks that social media is going to have a role in the outcome of this ball game or anything of that regard is 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 not is not on point here. It is going to be decided by those teams on the field. You know, I've just been I've been working this morning some on you know my spotting boards for A and M, and I'm going to tell you these guys can score. Uh, I don't know if Wegman's going to play this week or not, but he's thrown eight touchdown passes, and you know Johnson threw one last week. You know off the bench and. We saw him a year ago, and they're pretty prolific. Um, you know, defensively, their numbers have been good, but they've not played a prolific offensive team right now with the exception of Miami, and Miami put 48 on them. So I'm not really sure what they have offensively, or pardon me, defensively right now. But they got some good players on offense, and they can score some points. I think Arkansas can score some points, too. Um, <clears throat> Miami had big play receivers, big play quarterback. Um, I think Arkansas has got a big play tight end, big play receiver in Armstrong. I still think they're, the same thing is there for Broden and maybe Tesla. We know about K.J. Jefferson. Uh, would you be surprised if this game got into a bit of a, of a shootout? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, I suspect, I may be wrong on this. Let me write it down. We'll see if I am at the end of the year. I think we'll have more games that look like the LSU game than you might think mm. in terms of back and forth, haymakers. Um, I think there may be some more games coming down the pike like that. I think there will be more field goal games. And you know, we were talking about this the other day. I, I, you know, When you talk about a field goal game, you tend to think about a kicker kicking a last-second field goal. Field goal games are you know, the product of third-down conversions or the product of what you do in the red zone. Um, that's what produces field goal games, and I think we're I think we're in store for some more of those, and it might be one Saturday. Chuck, what what is your grade so far? These first four games on on these two new coordinators that Coach Pittman brought in, I th- I thought Dan Enos did a heck of a job calling the offense a, a, against LSU, and you know Travis Williams has has gotten a turnover in every game uh, for for the Hogs so far. I, and you know eight of thirteen, just like you said against LSU, we were eight of thirteen on third down. Uh, how how are these two coordinators fitting in? 
Well, I think it's, you know, anytime you've got a new coordinator, you're not going to be the finished product right off the bat, and I don't think either one of them is. Um, I thought the offense was a lot better. They scored 31 points, and uh, not a lot of teams are going to go into Death Valley and score 31 points. You know, that's 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 a pretty good team Arkansas played. So I thought they were fine offensively. I thought they were better on first down, and that had a lot to do with the third down conversions. KJ obviously has a lot to do with the third down conversions. I just think offensively, you know, with respect to Dan Enos and with respect to every offensive coach on that staff, this thing's going to go as KJ goes. You know, period, end of story is kind of the way I view it. On the defensive side, the one thing that I think they're going to have to continue to do for Arkansas to win games is force turnovers. You know, there are some spots... Um, there are some spots on that defense where they're not going to be quite as good sometimes as the guy they're matched up against. And I think about that more in the passing game than I do anything else. And they've got to be opportunistic. Like McLaughlin the other night leaves his man, uh-huh. leaves his man, and goes and picks off the pass. Um, you've got to have plays and make plays like that. You don't always get a lot of chances. You don't get a lot of chances to make those plays this Saturday night or this Saturday. And when you get them, you better make them. So I think for this defense, I'm not naive. I don't think it's going to be a shutdown defense. I don't think it's going to be a defense that, you know, is a wrecking crew. Um, But I do think they can be opportunistic. I do think they are athletic enough to force turnovers. And I think that they're going to have to continue to do that. Tell you one thing I think I noticed against LSU, Chuck, is is some chemistry with the offensive line and Rashad Dubinian. I, I was really Man. impressed with the way he ran, mm-hmm. and it looked like he was trustful of his offensive line. You know, they, right up the middle is where they were the strongest, and it didn't matter if it was to the left or to the right. Uh, the line deserves a lot of credit because they pushed A and M or they pushed LSU back. But I feel like Dubinian just, um, he showed me something against the Tigers. He had a good game, and there was certainly more cohesion between the running backs and the offensive line. And lots of times when you focus on the lack of rushing yardage, the natural tendency is to point directly to the offensive line. And oftentimes it's part of the story, but seldom is it all the story. And there's got to be a rhythm between the backs and that line. Matt can speak to this better than anybody else. Um, I wonder about that with Rocket coming back. When he comes back, what's that issue going to be like initially? Um, I thought with Dubinion particularly on Saturday night, I, I, I thought they were a little closer to where they you know, want to be. You feel that, like it's because um, back-to-back games, you've had uh, A.J. Green get the bulk of the carries, though they still wanted to give Rashad some carries against BYU. Uh, and then the left tackle situation, too. You know, you saw Devin Manuel play, what was it, 51 snaps and Chambly in the high teens. Um, uh, you know, are, are, Sam talked about it yesterday. I think they're going to still go with both left tackles. As far as who gets the bulk of the carries, do you think like going into each game, it's, well, it's, let's see who's got the hot hand early and ride him now? I'm not sure. You know, I, th- I, th- I think there's something to be said for that. But I think when Rocket comes back, if he comes back full strength, when the point arrives that he's full strength again, whenever that is, um, you know, I, th- I, th- I think it, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you've got to look at. Uh, Rocket is still your bell cow. He's your best back. Um, Dubinion, in my mind, has got to do a couple things. He's got to continue to run the way he ran last Saturday night, and he's got to make darn sure he holds on to that football. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the things, and, and I'm not saying he's not done a good job of both. He has. He's got to continue to do that. He's got to continue to run the way he ran Saturday night in Arkansas. And we talked about the importance of forcing turnovers on defense. They got to continue to avoid that on offense. Um, and and fumbles lost is one of those categories I look at every week. And if DeBenio will continue to play the way he did Saturday night, rocket or no rocket, he's going to play. Chuck, what do you think? Um, you know, I was I was proud of this team for getting points, but we get down into the red zone and not getting touchdowns. Is that just kind of our next step of this offense? Is 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 getting more touchdowns instead of settling for field goals? Well, they've done a good job of that until those two possessions, mm-hmm. and um, you know those were. Uh, you know, those were possessions where obviously, at the very least, you wanted one touchdown out of all that. They were prepared to go and try to get one. And, you know, then they had penalties. And those are the things that, to me, when I look at the offense, um, you know, if you can eliminate the penalties, and that's a big if. I mean, it's 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 not an aberration. It's it, it's an early trend, and they got to get that turned around. So, you know, you take that away. I think it's a really good offense. I think it's a prolific offense. I think it's an offense that could score 35, 40 points. Maybe not every game, but plenty of games. But not when they get penalties like that. Not when they stop themselves the way they did. And that's that's got to end. You know, when it ends, they'll win more games. Until it does, they may not. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. We've got the voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett, with us here for this last segment on Halftime, and then we'll bid him adieu for the rest of the day. Uh, Chuck told us earlier that he's, he's working on his spotting boards today, uh, which also goes along with looking at every name on the roster and practicing some pronunciation. A&M doesn't have that many difficult ones. This one so far is my favorite. Jordan Spazovich Muko, number 66, hometown Logan, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. They do have these pronunciations right there on the uh, on the AM website for you, Chuck. I don't think Jordan Spazovich Mogo was going to play. Uh, I think he's only on special teams, but um, I wondered how much time did you have to put into the BYU game because they couldn't even fit their pronunciation guide on their roster. There were so many. Yeah, I know. That was pretty tough. They had one of those audio things, too, where you could go back and listen to it. Um, I probably sound like the weirdest person in the world in the broadcast booth before the game. Because, like, for example, this past game, I forget the guy's name. Um, 
No, it was the BYU game. I forget the guy's name. It was the linebacker or number You guys 10, were right? down there doing the pregame show. And I was up there in the booth before the game just saying this guy's name out loud over and over and over again. I think it was that linebacker started with a V. I couldn't pronounce it now if you paid me a million dollars. But I just remember walking around and like I would be pronouncing all these guys' names out loud. and People would walk by and look in there like I was crazy. And uh, But it's kind of like cramming for a test. If you ask me an hour after the game how to pronounce their names, I'd have no idea. But... Um, they had, uh, and thankfully he didn't play, they had a player named Fakahura. And I'm just going to tell you, my career flashed before my eyes when he played out in Provo <laughs> the year before this one, last year. And I can remember I, I saw Fakahura was on the uh, spotting board again this year. See, I'm confident now. I'm not afraid to say it. But... Um, I was hoping maybe he didn't play. Sounds like a to you. sounds like a Street Fighter character. Exactly. It sounds it sounds like a word that can get you fired. Think, what it sounds that, like to me. That BYU linebacker was Vong Fachan, right? Number Eight, ten. Yeah, Vong Vong, Fachan, yeah. yeah. Number ten would have worked yeah. just fine. Number ten. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chuck, I was wondering. I was thinking about this earlier today. Is there any holdover in the Bobby Petrino era with this Arkansas Razorback football team, or is this team just completely different? There's there's no, you know, bad blood or any animosity. It's just a whole different setup. Oh, I think for the fans, you know, for those who were around back then, there aren't many people working in the athletic department who were here then. Right. I mean, less than, you know, less than a handful. And, um, you know, I can tell you, you know, when I start telling Bobby Petrino stories, it's like I got a new audience every time because, uh, you know, these people weren't weren't here then. And, um no, I don't think it's going to be an issue at all. I don't think it's an issue to him. I don't think it's an issue to Arkansas. Um, you know, coaching, and you know this, Matt, I mean, it's a nomadic profession. Mm-hmm. You're, there's a pretty good chance. Once you hit that elite level, there's only so many schools at that elite level. So there's a pretty good chance you're going to coach against someplace you were before. And um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to have anything to do with the game at all. You notice anything um, in in watching any of the replays of A and M that reminds you of of, uh, of Petrino's offense at Arkansas, or maybe what you saw last that year quick from out. Missouri State? He, he still throws that quick yeah, out. Yeah, I mean he 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 still got some staples. the The thing that's different is, uh, I guess he's upstairs. I don't know exactly where he is, but my my, I guarantee you, Connor Wegman and Max Johnson have had uh, their lives changed the minute Bobby Petrino came into the meeting room. I promise you that. And um, but I would imagine that he's, uh, you know, he he always he's uh, dis- despite the fact that he was, was a public figure, I always believed he was an introvert at heart. He's at his happiest when he's in the video room breaking down film. He's like an assassin, man. He looks at your every move. He studies you for months. Um, It's what he does. That's where he's happiest, alone in a room watching video, breaking down a defense. And he's as good at that as anyone who's ever drawn a breath. So um, I think Arkansas, you know, know, Petrino's good. But, you know, other coaches live the same way, and they're good too. Um, You know, Petrino is an exceptional offensive coach. There's no doubt about that. Um, but again, I, I don't. Um, I think he's doing exactly what he loves to do right now. I don't think he ever enjoyed anything that came with being a head coach, other than coaching ball. I don't. I don't think any of the other things ever appealed to him for a moment. Um, he just wants to coach ball, and right now, as a coordinator, that's all he has to do. I I would imagine he's as happy as he's been in a while. 
That's what it looked like to me um, less than two months ago when he had his, his preseason press conference, and I thought to myself, well, he doesn't have to do this again. doesn't have to host a coach's show. I mean, he, can, he looks pretty happy, and he's deferring to Coach Fisher. So he looked really happy, and I thought that might spell bad things for the rest of the SEC. Let's oh, take a- I think if the truth were told, he probably gets a big kick out of the fact Jimbo has to do it, and he doesn't. Because mm-hmm. he knows what it's like. He knows exactly what it's like. All right, let's take a call from Cody in Bentonville in on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Good morning, Cody. You get Chuck Barrett with you, too. What's going on? Hey, not much. Uh, hey, Mr. Barrett. hope everything's going well. Game Cody, I'm good. Saturday. You don't have to call me Mr. Barrett, but thank you. No, you're good at what you do, sir. Um, Thank you. Uh, hey, I just wanted to make a couple comments, especially after. So I'm a huge Razorback fan, and I always have been. And hearing what Pittman had to say, man, I just have a big heart. And what he's done for our program, I know we, we want to win. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to how many how many games Coach Pittman Pittman wins. But he's done a lot for our program at the same time. And the cheap shot, that's not cool. And as a fan base, that's something that's not called for. But at the same time, I've kind of noticed this on some of the Razorback sites. I don't know how genuinely authentic some of those profiles or those accounts are. I know there's a lot of trolling that goes on within the Razorback fan base. So I'd also like that just to kind of be understood. Um, But my worry is this, guys. At the beginning of the year, we saw a lot of improvement with the secondary and the offseason. Everybody was saying how much better we are, things like that. Guys, we're starting to give up some big plays in crucial times. Uh, deep ball right before halftime against LSU. Uh, then some of those passes Daniels made. I know it was Jeff Code or I forget who it was who jumped upside and he made that deep ball down the sideline. It ended up being a touchdown, and I know there's good talent out there. But we've also got some seasoned backs back there. And the big plays are starting to worry me. And what's always been our Achilles here, like what's always killed us against A&M, you know, big plays. But at the same time, I've just these last few games, seen these last couple of games with the talent level on the field. I, I mean, I, you can say this is crazy; it's a crazy take. I honestly believe that we could win the rest of our games on our schedule, even Alabama. And I think it's just going to come down to discipline and fixing the mistakes. Even against LSU, you take those penalties away, I think we win the football game. The false start. KJ Jefferson was going to score a touchdown to win. Like he was going to drive down in the final two minutes. It was just my, it's just mind blowing to me how the penalties are still affecting this and it's coming from seniors. And I'm not trying to bash the hogs. I'm just, I mean, I want us to get it together because I like Coach Pittman and I want him to do well. And I mean, we have a talented football team and it's just good to see. But I appreciate y'all's time and uh, I don't want us to lose hope and we've still got a good season ahead of us and we can win the rest of our football games. It just comes down to discipline and us doing what we're supposed to do. And I appreciate your guys' time. All right. Thanks, Cody. You know- I thought one thing that happened Saturday night, I, I, I do think belief was restored. Um, I think there was some faith in the program, some faith in the team that was restored. I don't know how many people very honestly thought after the BYU game, yeah, they, you know, they really do have a chance to win the rest of their games. But, um, you know, they went down there, they fought their butt off, they competed. And, you know, you're not going to face anybody better than Malik Neighbors, I guarantee you that. He's going to be a first-team All-American. So... Um, I do think when you look at them right now, and I think you look at what's out there on the schedule, yeah, every game's a winnable game. Now, having said that, you can lose a bunch of them too if, uh, you know, if you make bad mistakes at critical moments. But I thought the ball game Saturday night restored the belief on a lot of people's part that this could still be a pretty good team. 
I heard Sam Pittman talking about restoring our pride. I feel like they did that. You know, they they, they went toe to toe with a team that very well could and and maybe should win the SEC West. It's just trying to figure out a way to win those close games right now, Chuck. And uh, one in six in the last seven games decided by three points or less. And you know what it is? It's just, it's a couple things here or there that end up making the difference in a game like that. You just got to figure out how to make the play and, instead of either a mistake or the other team making the play well, this time around. He, he, there's going to be more games like this, as I was saying a little bit earlier. This is not the last game that Arkansas is going to play like this. Sometimes being good enough to win and then taking the step to actually winning, mm-hmm. that's a big step. Huge. You know, and, and, and um, you know, four and five plays over the course of 70 during a game don't sound like a lot, but um, they're critical moments. And sometimes the game comes down to those plays. But um, I, I agree with uh, the caller, I mean, uh, they're in a whole lot better position than they've been. I, I guarantee you that. They're, and I can just tell you from being around the building on a regular basis, there's no comparison to the foundation within this program now and the foundation within this program five, six, seven years ago. It's night and day. Chuck, always appreciate your time and enjoy these visits. Uh, good luck with the prep, and we'll uh, we'll be listening to you on Saturday, okay? All right, guys. Thank you. Thank Enjoyed it. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Time to talk with Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation, and we always appreciate some of Alyssa's time on these Tuesday afternoons. Hi, Alyssa. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, You know, I've had this conversation about social media involving Sam Pittman and the Arkansas football players. Um, I I would imagine that there might not be a more toxic place than Twitter for women who work in sports. So I just wonder, you don't have to go through the experiences that you've had, but, I mean, it is a really toxic place, and I would imagine you know that firsthand. Yeah, I think so. I think there there are people that can be cruel, um, and those people get more out of it than you get reading it, you know. And um, I think that as long as you... Stay level-headed, and, and what do they always say? Don't read the comments, right? But it's a lot uh, harder to do when people are tagging you in things or have things to say. And I think it was uh, Kira Small who called them keyboard warriors when we were talking to them just about people who say stuff on social media, and that was back in, in 2013 and 2014 when he was at Arkansas. So this is not new. It's just gotten worse over time, and it's real. And, and for people who say that it's not, I... 
challenge you to talk to other athletes who have gone through this. I have seen the comments and reposts from Scooter Harris. I have seen them from Brooks Ellis. That, you know, even Scooters was like, this is for real. I wish someone would have listened to me my last two years of football in college. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different. Yeah, it's never as good as it seems. It's it's never as bad as it seems. Alyssa, do you think this is the beginning of, of the end for Coach Pittman, or do you think this is a come-together moment for this University of Arkansas Razorback football team? Well, I would hope that it's a, a coming-together moment. You know, I, I think that social media, mental health, those kind of things have been talked about a lot from other coaches, but not on the platform like Sam Pittman had. And so for him to say something like this, it might be, not that they needed any kind of motivation, I don't think, but it might be exactly what this football team needed to hear from their head coach. And maybe he wasn't speaking to the media. It was also a message to his team. I got to listen to the uh, the, the the speech he gave after the loss to LSU. And it was um, emotional and heartfelt and angry. And upset, and I think that this team needed a a little bit of that, and we'll see what happens afterwards. Yeah, I mean, he has passion. There, there's no denying that, that Coach Pitt, Pittman loves this Razorback team, and he has passion, and he's given effort. Yeah, no, no, I, I was wondering if there was a but there. So I was leaving. Uh, and that's absolutely it. I mean, I just listened to Andrew Armstrong's podcast, and he just talked about how different Sam Pittman is um, and how much he loves that out of his head coach and how the players view him and how his staff views him um, is, quite frankly, the only thing that matters to him. And and, and winning matters and success matters. And so um, as much as, as passionate as you can be, as dedicated and loving and real as you can be, uh, we all know that this industry also uh, moves the needle with wins. And so can they be in line under Sam Pittman? That's the question. Ooh, a new, a new podcast to listen to. So Andrew Armstrong has a podcast. <clears throat> Does he talk about well, uh, chemistry with... It's, uh, his hog- it's his what? It's his hog pod that I just... Oh, all right. I thought it was a personal podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it, it would be pretty cool if he had a personal podcast, so I'd listen to that, too. Plenty of athletes do. It's probably part of his NIL deal, mm-hmm. huh? You know, Absolutely. do a podcast, do that stuff, and yeah. <laughs> yeah it's how, and that, that's kind of, I guess, what yeah. the, the question is, Alyssa, is with, with all these players, NIL, being social media, it's, it's, it's just part of their life. Uh, do, do, mm-hmm. And then Coach Pittman not going to have social media anymore. Do you think it affects it, the, the way he recruits or any of his relationships? And to your point, you're, it's all about the wins. As long as we get W's, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think that Sam Pittman has been around the game long enough to know where he was selling himself, who he was as a coach, who he is as a man with his players long before social media existed. And so if if that stays consistent, I don't see it hurting recruiting. I think that you can do recruiting in other ways. Arkansas has their own platform. All their assistant coaches who choose to have social media can have social media. And quite frankly, if you play for a coach specifically because they have a Twitter, then I don't know if you're playing the game for the right reason. 
Yeah, I don't think we want you here at, at, at Arkansas, if that's your reason. I agree with you. Alyssa, we've had a lot of callers uh, or texters uh, say that they think Arkansas can win every game for the remainder of the season. Uh, and I w- truthfully, I think a lot of those people, if they were given the chance to say that a month ago, wouldn't have said that. Um, and a lot of it has to do with that Alabama just looks more beatable than they have since Saban's first year. Uh, and so does Ole Miss. And so does the rest of the SEC West. And I think he just played the best team in the SEC West. Uh, you got to go one at a time, of course. But I, I, I kind of live in that world, too, right now. I'm not saying they're going to win every game left. But they, I think they got a chance to actually pull something like that off. They could do it. They did, and if they play the way that I watched them play down the stretch at LSU, um, I, I stand by that even further. They got better as that game went on in terms of just execution and rhythm, and, and the defense wore down. I understand that. The defense was really, really good, and they just wore down towards the end. And the off, what we saw from the offense, going toe-to-toe with Jaden Daniels in that offense, and holding their own like that, they can have success against anybody. And you're absolutely right. A&M is beatable. Ole Miss is beatable. Um, Alabama has weaknesses that you can um, take a look at and try to exploit. I mean, this is an Arkansas team. The last time they went to Tuscaloosa, um, held their own and, and could have beaten Alabama had certain things gone certain ways. So this is wide open. And I think that they can have success and still have a winning record and still make a good bowl game, but they have to play the way that we saw them play when they were at their best against LSU. I loved how Dominion ran the ball, um, and falling forward uh, and keep keeping us in third and manageable. We were eight of thirteen. I love the game Coach Eno's called. I, I thought he did a brilliant job. Uh, and even if we get a penalty, we got to go for two from from your own seven and still able uh, to get the two point conversion. Give me a grade. How, how would you grade these two coordinators uh, on their first four games as Arkansas Razorbacks? Yeah, I would give Dan Eno's probably a a, a B. You know, I think that um, certain things should have gone certain ways. Maybe certain calls should have gone certain ways uh, against BYU. Um, And and for Travis Williams, I mean, considering what he took in and and the things that he had to stress from the beginning, which was communication, aggressive defense and taking a defense, a pass defense that was at the bottom of college football a year ago, what he's done in four games has been impressive. You know, it's hard to give him an A-plus because they've lost two of those games. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're seeing this defense play um, aggressive, um, play smart football for the most part. And so I I would probably give him a a B-plus just because of what he's been able to do on the offseason with this defense. Uh, let's see. Basketball practice has started. Both the men's and women's teams are now, what is it, five weeks away from the five or five and a half, mm-hmm. six weeks away from the start of the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, you had a lot of expectations for, for Muss's team. I think the thought is for the women's side that the SEC might still be a little too stacked to break through at the top, but it's a, a really interesting group that Mike has for the women's team. It's the only program in the SEC that didn't bring in any Division One transfers, um, and yet they got wow. taller. They got a great freshman class that came in and a JUCO. Recruit, a Juco so, um, I mean, really, it feels like the sky's the limit for the men's team, and it does feel like the women's team can should improve upon last year. 
And, and I think one thing, you know, when when you say that, that my what he's doing with the women's side, it's not for lack of not wanting to go get anyone. I know that he's made comments of like, look, there were, there were really shiny, pretty things that were in the transfer portal that we could have easily gone and gotten. But what message does that say to someone who continues to develop in Jersey Wolfenbarger and someone who continues to develop in Miriam Dowda? I decided to invest in them instead of bringing someone in. And that's what he did with his team. He looked at the roster and said, okay, this is what we need. And he felt like he had a strong enough team with the freshman he was bringing in to be okay. Um, and I appreciate that. You know, not every philosophy is like that, but that's how Mike felt the best team he could put together and that's what that looked like as for Mus, i have to learn everybody's name again i know who Devo davis and trevin brazil are and jalen graham i got i got to do some studying and some learning but that's just Mus's formula and what he does and and they're going to be really talented too i'm excited to see them in the red white game coming up and they've got that uh exhibition charity game with purdue which i think is going to be a lot of fun um but you know i i think that this is an exciting time for Mus. It is a um, determining time for, for Mike Neighbors in a sense of, of the women's program and making a mark in the SEC and, and what he does with this program and where they end at the end of the year. I think there's a, a lot of eyeballs looking at that women's team to see where they stack up when it's all over. All right, I kind of know what your answer will be here, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about one of your three teams. And we bring up every once in a while, but you're only going to talk about one of them today. We're doing everything else in Arkansas. You can pick which team of yours that one of them that's going to the playoff, but I don't think is going to get very far. The other one just set an well, a modern day NFL record, and the other is an undefeated college football team. Take your pick. <laughs> well, that's funny because that's very similar to what Saul asked me last week. He said, if you were watching the Dodgers, the Seminoles, and the Dolphins all on one screen, but you could only listen to sound on one, who would it be? My answer was Miami. I have been a long, lifetime Miami Dolphins fan, and I have lived and breathed Aqua and Orange since I was little. And so for me, the Dolphins having the success, they are so fun to watch putting up 70 points last week it's something that like I am enjoying watching the Dolphins again when I get a chance to because obviously I'm working on Sunday but it is fun and if it continues this way if they stay healthy um, it's going to be a really fun ride through the AFC and through the NFL this year so you know Miami has the Dolphins the greatest football team like I run the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen I, I was telling you, Alyssa, that that A-chain, that, that running back was the best pick in the draft right yeah. there. I think he's looking like the rookie of the year if he can stay healthy. And then Tyreek Hill, man, how good is that dude? Well, I'm telling you, you know, and I guess Devin came out and said my name is Devin A-chan now. I guess we've been saying it wrong, but that he had a big game. And I thought it was acne the whole time. I was saying it, yeah. I, <laughs> Well, whatever his name is, regardless that he went to Texas A&M, I am happy that he is on the Dolphins roster. And, I mean, Tyreek Hill, what did he score in the first 14 seconds of the game or something like that last week? I mean, it's it's incredible to watch him. He is He makes grown, talented, defensive players look silly sometimes. So and it's, that's hard it's to do. at chain, not a chain, right? At is that chain. A, at, at chain? Hmm. At chain? It's rookie at of the chain. year. It's Colin Roy. C H A N. Yeah. C H A N. At chain. 
idea. Sooner or later, just pronounce it cha-ching because he's going to make plenty of it. That guy. Thanks, yeah, Alyssa. Right, exactly. Always appreciate you. Thank y'all. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. And we'll visit with the king of college football talk, Bill King, from Nashville Sports Radio, hosting 6 to 9 Monday through Friday. And usually when we talk to Bill King, he is in his home studio. He is right where he usually hosts the show, but he is on the road right now, returning from the Macon, Georgia Touchdown Club, where he was the featured speaker. Bill, where, uh, where on the drive are you right now? On the Nashville side of Chattanooga. Not bad. How was uh, how was the visit? You got some. Uh, we got a really great touchdown club in Little Rock that gets great guests. Uh, what's oh, the making yeah. touchdown club like? It's good. They get Kirby Smart once a year. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. If you're making, what else matters? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, they uh, their fans over there happy with the performance so far from Georgia. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. An afterthought. Yeah, I think they're very confident. This team isn't as good as, I think, the last two teams. I think they're a little more human, but they're still capable of winning it all, and there does not appear to be one team that stands out above everybody else right now, so they're still the favorite as far as I know. What do you learn from Florida uh, with with uh, an upset win over Tennessee last weekend? They get Kentucky on the road, so I mean, I think Kentucky's a pretty good team this year. Well, Kentucky's been beating them. Kentucky's a favorite in this game. And now I don't know if Kentucky's had a real match. They came to Vanderbilt one pretty handily this past weekend. But, yeah, I think that'll be interesting going up there to Kroger Field and playing. And tell you where Florida is a lot better is, is their defense. They hired Austin Armstrong, who made a name for himself in his 20s just not long ago at Southern Miss as their defensive coordinator. Saban hired him, and he wasn't there a month or two before Florida made him defensive coordinator. And he has made a big difference. The offense is still a little boring. They don't make a lot of big plays. They're physical in the running game, but that defense is much improved. Bill, uh, I was looking at the slate, and you got LSU going to Mississippi. Uh, it's kind of another rivalry game if you're, you're looking at LSU with the Arkansas game. These these young kids these days, right in emotions, you see LSU having any type of letdown uh, going into to Oxford this weekend? I don't. Now, you're right. That is a long, historic rivalry. But, look, they played in Orlando. It might not be Tallahassee, but they played, I think, one of the top five teams in America on the road, and uh, Ole Miss is good. They're not that good. And 
LSU's got better personnel top to bottom. I was a little surprised that Ole Miss's offense got bogged down as much as they did. Alabama played well defensively, but I still think you have to favor LSU in this game. Mississippi had trouble running the ball in that ball game. I mean, was that, was that Alabama's defense necessarily, or they just have a little trouble getting Jackson Dart and Quinchon Judkins going? Quinchon Judkins has not gotten going yet. And I talked about this. I think he's a heck of a player. And remember we talked about he and Rocket Sanders being the best running backs coming back into the league this year. But they just haven't got him going. They had some nagging injuries that have set him back a little bit, but he's just not rolling yet. Some of that would be he burst on the scene as a freshman, as a three-star. Nobody really knew much about him. He played as well, if not better, than any other running back in the league, and everybody's got the book on him. And sometimes it's just hard yourself for a year to match a, a splash first season, and I don't think the offensive line's doing him a whole lot of good either in the running game. Bill, I, I got to watch uh, some of that uh... – Notre Dame Ohio State game. Uh, I, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. I thought Notre Dame had a chance there. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a brutal. I mean, both teams were hitting each other. It, it was a good game to watch. Very physical. Came down to that last drive. And what's ironic, guys, is you fight for fifty nine minutes and fifty seconds, whatever it was. Last play of the game. Mm amounts to a fight, a battle over a couple of inches of turf. How about that? You fight all night long, and it comes down to one play and inches of turf. Who can win those inches? And ironically, not only was it kind of a unique situation, but Notre Dame did not have an 11th person on the field, which meant a defensive lineman on their right side where the ball's going to go. And even though they barely scored a touchdown, Notre Dame had 10 men on the field the last two plays of the game, which is unconscionable. I don't know how that happens. Uh, two in a row, two. That's, that's, the, that's the, the thing that blows your mind. Yeah, that's the thing. If it happens once, uh, whatever. The second time in the very next play, mm. I understand they've, uh, Notre Dame now has a signal so that the sideline knows when there's 10 players on the field. I don't know if there's, another, if there's another football team in the history of the sport that ever needed that signal, but this one does. Think about how many failures you have to have particularly in a situation like that, right? Games on the line, this is it. Score, they win. No score, you win. The head coach, failure. Defensive coordinator, failure. Defensive line coach, failure. And the player that ought to be in there, failure. That's four levels, guys, you've got to get through to not get that done. Twice. You know, so looking at back at the Arkansas-LSU game, there were some communication issues with getting a play in from the sideline that resulted in two timeouts way early in the third quarter on oh, a drive yeah. that eventually resulted in a field goal rather than a touchdown. And, look, I mean, it was really tough to stop LSU. There's no doubt about that. But, and it's just a but and an if that goes after it, if Arkansas had those two timeouts on LSU's final drive, that game might have gone to overtime because I think Arkansas looked like LSU was having trouble stopping them, too. No question. I got to admit, guys, I thought that would be a pretty one-sided Saturday night, Baton Rouge, LSU's playing well, and that was a heck of a game. Much closer game than I anticipated. You're right. They didn't slow Arkansas down much either. And, yeah, those are moments you'd love to have back. Absolutely. 
Bill, I, I do want to ask you about this Notre Dame-Duke matchup that's coming up. And uh, I've had a, a couple people that, that are big-time football people telling me that, that Notre Dame better watch out, that, that Duke can win this game. What are your thoughts going into this game? Totally agree. This is a very good, well-coached Duke team by Mike Elko in year two. Won nine games a year ago. He's got a really good quarterback in Riley Leonard. Very physical team, tough team. And if Notre Dame is limping around after the heartbreak last Saturday night. Absolutely could get beaten during North Carolina. Guys, their next three games are at Duke, at Louisville. Louisville's well-coached team, good team right now under Coach Brown. And then you come home and you get Caleb Williams in Southern Cal. That's tough. Caleb Williams looks like a Denver Bronco, huh? I mean, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I Bill, n- nobody, with him. nobody brought up Duke in the preseason of thinking about two things. One, a real contender in the ACC, or two, who is this year's TCU? You know, everybody wanted to know, who's going to be this year's TCU? Forgetting that, well, you really only had two of those programs that I can remember. There was Cincinnati and TCU back-to-back years. Duke still does have Florida State, North Carolina on the schedule. Is there any way in this in the reality we live where Duke is this year's TCU? I wouldn't think so. Just because of the odds. It's it's astronomically against them. I don't think they're better than Florida State. I don't think they'd beat Florida State. And if they have a rematch with them, I don't think they'd beat them then either. I do think that would be a stretch. It might be a good to Check, check on one of the apps and see what kind of odds you can get on that. It, it might be a good uh, value bet, but I wouldn't think so. Bill, is this a must win for this Arkansas Razorback team as they, they're going to Jerry's World to take on Texas A&M? You look at their next couple games at Ole Miss, at Alabama, and then the schedule gets a little bit easier, but you got to go to the Swamp later in November. Uh, sitting here at 2-2 two and two with this A&M game, uh, how big is this for the Hogs? Huge. Absolutely huge. I'm, I'm not prepared to say you lose it and the wheels are off. But it's the beginnings of that. Because you just laid out. I mean, it's a daunting schedule. And you're going to take some lumps down the road. You know that. And look, A&M is kind of a bipolar team. They have personnel and offense to really be good. And at times they are. The disappointment at times has been the defense. Now, Auburn didn't get a lot done against them, but Auburn does not have personnel right now. Auburn can't figure out the quarterback position. They don't have a lot of playmakers. So I think Arkansas can have success offensively against this Aggie defense, which has a lot of dudes, but they haven't played up to it yet. Well, you know, I, I think to get into our, the, the Arkansas fan base's collective mind for a moment, Top of the list of what of what uh, they're thinking about. Yeah, it, part of it is the Aggie talent. It's Bobby Petrino. Everybody here yep. is thinking you get like Petrino is almost worth just 14 points just because he's the coach. How do you how do you view that? You know, where do you give A and M an edge in this game or any other? Because that's Bobby Petrino, one of the greatest call you know play callers of his time. I think he's made a big difference, and I think he'll continue to. They've got Evan Stewart. They've got a good offensive line. Quarterback plays good, whether it's Wegman or they have to go with Max Johnson. And uh, they just don't click yet. I I don't think they're fully in sync, but I expect that to happen. 
And what you don't want is for that to happen. You're coming up. Bill, I, I've a lot of talk about a quarterback I haven't seen a whole lot yet. Uh, how, how have you uh, seen uh, Michael? Am I saying his name right? Penix Jr. How, how good is this kid? Can can he play on Sundays? Yes, I don't know if he's a key starter, but he'll be on a roster and and maybe play due to injury. He's a lefty out of Tampa. He's been around a long time. He actually committed to Tennessee many many years ago. Decommitted and ended up at Indiana. And when he was healthy, the problem is he kept having knee injuries. But that real good year Indiana had a couple of years ago, if you recall, he was the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And remember that early season upset of Penn State? I mean, they, they had they had some really good games and teams back then. Well, he got disenchanted and transferred out to Washington, and he kind of got forgotten about. And last year he had a big year. He's having a big year this year. And here's the other thing, guys. Washington has two first-round wide receivers. We talk about Ohio State's group. Texas group, probably the next best receiving group is, is UW. That's a team that's got to be dealt with. That's a playoff potential team, UW. Sounds good. Bill, we'll leave it there. Safe drive on the way back home. Appreciate you stopping with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks, Bill. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.